0: All right, so, Sean, um, this uh, is a very interesting outfit that you're wearing today. It's, uh, what it, it's like a psycho serial killer, like... Luigi. Luigi, like human abductor, human tra- trafficking uh, expert, right? Something like that.
1: Right. If, uh, with my beard, I look like a... Yeah, with my... With my beard, I look like a communist with my, with my You look like Le- You look like Yeah. No, no. Like no, I just want to say I'm Special Agent Luigi of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and I'm deputized, and I am here to arrest Doc Paskowitz for child neglect and tax evasion. Child neglect and task task evasion. Uh, please let our viewers know why the law enforcement is necessary in this case.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, he's dead. So he's dead, and yeah. he also didn't
0: make enough money to be uh, wanted for tax evasion. It's
1: um, a good point. I want to get into the dime, uh, but please click and subscribe. We'll say click and subscribe. It's smash. Click the subscribe button
0: or like and subscribe, okay? Like inside. Hi. This is our twentieth episode. Welcome to Obscuria yeah. Filmcast. Um, today we are going to be discussing the film Surfwise, documentary from two thousand and eight. Correct? I believe it's from two thousand and eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Dorian Doc Paskowitz, his uh, wife. Juliet, I believe, and they're nine children, and I'm not going to remember all their names. Um,
3: eight boys, one girl.
1: Eight boys, one girl. Two, no, two. seven. Seven boys and one girl.
3: It was eight.
1: It was eight. It was eight. Oh right, I'm sorry. They had nine. I apologize. Yeah, not, it not, nine. It was the seven boys and
3: the girl, and then one more boy. I yeah. think David, Abraham,
0: Israel. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's the nine tribes of Israel. That's all you need. to Um, and I I've been obsessed with this movie ever since I was introduced to it by Lauren Kinslow. Uh, shout out to Lauren. And, um, she told me about this movie about a crazy doctor who, uh, was obsessed with surfing, who after two failed marriages decided that he didn't really know enough about sex. And that's why his marriages failed. Um, and so he decided he was going to do a, a medical study of sex and spend the next, however long it would take him to fuck a hundred women until he found the one that scored at the right height to create a marriage that would last, right? Because you need sexual chemistry to have it a It was a 93. That was the 25. Then the 20, he, he, only, got to, he only got to 25 women. He's impressive. 20, yeah. So by the time he got to 25 women, he met this one. He, he was so shocked by the score that he was like, I'm, I'm going to have to marry her. And then he did. And they had a bunch of kids and they just traveled around in a Winnebago. And um,
1: basically- Not even a Winnebago,
0: a camper. A camper, right. A camper yeah. is half the size of Winnebago. Okay. Yeah, a, a small- Winnebago is just the brand of a camper, correct? It's not like an actual- technical it, Well, yeah, but no, you're, you're right. It is a brand it, name, but it's it it like- image. It gives the image in the, the listener's mind that maybe this crazy family was traveling around in a vehicle that was maybe almost sufficient for 11 people to live in. But no, take your average large trailer home, which usually only lives four people comfortably, and then smash that in half, and then double or triple the size of the amount of people living in it. And they lived like this for literally years and years and years on top of each other. And how did they survive and not all get dysentery they had to wash their assholes really good every time they were going to get back into that camper and julia the the matriarch the wife and mother she said that we should have had a flag of a butthole a squeaky clean butthole as our flag because that was our motto that's how we kept everybody healthy everybody had to be really clean especially their assholes and you know when you have a medical doctor as a father I guess you could it, the only person who could pull something like this off would have been Dorian Pascalitz. I, I can't think of any other man who could have pulled off this type of lifestyle and family situation. So that's your kind of synopsis. There really are there, there are no spoilers because like every moment of this film is just like one shocking, not shocking in a bad way necessarily, but one like memorable moment after another. Uh, as you watch the sort of history of this this family unfold, um, you know I got plenty to say on this, but I'd I'd really like to hear what you all think before I do any more talking. Uh, Judy, would would you do the honors? Sure.
3: Yeah, I'll start. Um, you know, I'm torn. Part I, well, okay. I think the filmmakers did a good job of truly telling the story without telling you how you should think about them. I'm a family, because you could watch it and, you know, want to arrest him and say he was a child abuser or something. But then on the other hand, you could say he um, deeply felt this way about life and gave his children an opportunity that no one else would have. So I, I think that the filmmakers did a really good job of not telling us how they felt about just really, truly telling us the story. So I really, um, so I want to say that I, I like that because a lot of times you just watch a movie or especially a documentary and it's like, okay, you're telling me basically, your opinion and you're only going to show me so much um it was just really interesting there was parts where I watched it and I was like oh that looks like so much fun and then there was other parts where I was like oh god you know um that's and then there was parts where I thought um you know when they showed like where they were sleeping in the van and I was like oh that's terrible and then you know the spoiler alert where the shocking part it's towards the end of the movie where um the oldest son I think his name was David they featured him a lot and he was basically the Uh, the dictators when they it's when they really they waited this is interesting when I just said that they didn't tell us you know their opinion they really waited to a certain point to tell you how sort of manipulative the father was which you probably could have told because they were living in a camper but um, the story that really highlights it was David talking about when his brother did something in the bathroom he got mud everywhere. He did say so he could not remember what it was. And his father had him chase his brother. And then he told him choke him. And he said, he choked him until his nose bled. And then he had that moment of like, Oh my God, what have I become? And before that his father had convinced him that he was pr- like proud to be like the family muscle, you know, like showing his brothers what to do. So at that point I was like, Oh you know, before that, I sort of was like, oh, that's cool. He's just like, yeah, I want to, you know, you hear people, I want to live off the grid. I want to like escape the man, you know, and just live my life. And it you sounds know, he, great. He did,
1: he did yeah. talk like a hippie and hippies yeah. could be seductive.
3: Yeah. So it sound it seemed appealing and it's like, oh, they just surf and they like, look at the sunrise and go wherever they want. And part of me, you know, like, you know, stuck in the house is like mom of two. I'm like, that sounds awesome. But then you see some parts and you're like, yeah, no. Um, and, um, and then it becomes sad towards the end of the film where they talk about all the struggles that the kids went through and then they turned it around. So this is what I like about it. They, they tell you the struggles that the children have and the regrets that they have about the lifestyle that they were given. Right. And then they turn it around again when they go to the father and he admits like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that. And it just really shows that, like, as a parent, you know, I don't know if you guys are parents yet, but I know I'm going to, like, fuck up my kids somehow, right? Like, it's, like, just going to happen because there's whatever is going to happen, and then there's going to be how they interpreted it, right? Life right? is going to fuck up your kids. You know, don't take all well, the orca. Yeah. Orca, orca, And then in their 20s, right. and then in their 20s, they're going to turn around we and blame us, right? Yeah. And I feel like that when
1: she's 12. When she's 12. <laughs> when she's 12. <laughs> Maybe that's when they turn on their mothers well
3: no they usually i feel like it's usually like the the 18 to like 25 age age range where kids usually like all their life shortcomings when they get unleashed from school and have to face the real world that school didn't prepare them for but that's another thing um that goes into another thing um Mm -hmm. you usually blame your parents like why didn't you do this why didn't you do that you didn't prepare me you know i could go on about that but i don't want to get off into that unless you guys want to talk about that later um but I overall liked the movie I thought I think it's a movie that people should watch it really does show something different I don't think it's while you could look at it and study like child abuse and things like that um I think it's like a shades of gray type thing I don't know that or at least they didn't cover there's also the sex stuff where they were like oh it's normal to like fuck in front of your kids and like make all kinds of loud noises and I was like I don't know about that like it sounds very animalistic, but like, I feel like that's, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. It doesn't sit well with me, but on the flip side, I do like how they cover about how taboo sort of sex is in the culture and how people like hide things in then Pornography is like, so I feel like he really just went to the extreme of like things that I'm like, yeah, I agree. The school system is messed up. Yeah. I agree that people aren't in touch with their sexual nature as much, but he like really took it a little, like maybe he should have reined it in. So anyway, I'll finish talking. Sean, you're up.
1: Thanks. Um, I agree with Judy. Uh, The movie did give a balanced portrait of Doc and then the family. I grew up in Sussex County, New Jersey. In Sussex County, New Jersey, there are only two things, Republicans and hippies. That's it. That's all you get. So that's why a lot of that's why you leave. You know you're either one or the other or you have to leave so i grew up around republicans but a lot of hippies a lot of hippies and i'll tell you this hippies aren't that cool their south park did an episode on the on hippies when i saw that when i was a younger man i was like yeah i don't have to like hippies they're drug addicts they're dirty uh they use free love to try to sleep with your girlfriend all this other stuff Drum circles, I never got into that, or poetry, you know, I tried. Anyway, what do so the this guy gave
0: me... With this? I'm just, I'm not to interrupt, but what what do, the hippie, what do hippies have to do with this film? Doc
1: reminded me of a hippie, and he had that old drawl of uh, questioning, society, questioning society and then giving you the answer to that question in his solution, which is, you know, freedom, take down the walls... We could get closer to animals because one of the sons was in therapy and he was still telling his life coach that like an animal, he's like, even today, I got to tell myself I'm not an animal. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. So you use that, you use that solution of like, let's be free and be animals. And then well, it's easy to say that when you're the father and you could kind of direct every, everything. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of weird that they did have sex every night every night with the kids there you couldn't take her outside you couldn't send the kids outside you couldn't do all, like stuff and that to me is a little pathological and a little twisted because even one of the guys is like he had a whole setup with his ears that he tried to mm-hmm. fold down because every night they were having sex it's like i don't know man it just seems kind of weird because later on in the documentary they talked about doc uh, doc's power pro- problem and uh cuz he was like a control freak but it was weird cuz that was his second marriage his first marriage he was Third a surfer dude Third,
3: yeah yeah three
1: okay well his first his first one his wife was cheating with a japanese guy in the surf group yeah i think that really messed Doc up or he's like okay let me let me try to do stuff and you're going to have the opposite cuz even Hugh Hefner started playboy because a girl rejected him he so in who? his brain is like All you went through those three well,
0: yeah. phases. You went through those three phases that guys go through um, that I've observed when they get burned. Um, mm-hmm. He got burned by, first of all, he was a good looking guy, right? Very, very he handsome. He was in great very physical athletic, shape. Very well to do. Mm-hmm. Running at the mm-hmm. very highest level of the medical association whatever it was, the public health office of the state of Hawaii he was like the Dr. Fauci of Hawaii okay and he was good looking and he was in in shape and his wife still cheated on him with a with a surfer okay this is a cardinal lesson for men about female nature not this is not denigrating women in any way Mm -hmm. it's just uh you know, women don't like being good looking, having money and w- not understanding female nature is a recipe for disaster for you. It's it's not going to insulate you from that kind of situation. And so after that, he was like, OK, I'm going to go find a nice traditional Jewish woman who was very old school. And, and it's like, yeah, but you're not that. So he did that. And she left him. She probably didn't cheat on him, but she couldn't handle his. He was too mishuuga enough for uh, for her so she left and she left with the and took the, the children away too which they just quickly gloss over which is kind of crazy so that's the set. so that was his second phase was the find mm-hmm. a nice traditional girl that didn't work out so that I think you're absolutely right that it was those it was his marital failures that and they, they don't even it's not this is, you don't even have to deduce this; they spell it out for you. He says it: "It was my marital failures that led me on this path." Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, of course. And I just, I just thought that was message If you're an extremist, that's what you are. Uh, and he was always that, right? And he, and he had to come and accept it. And say, I am an extremist. Mm. This is how I'm going to channel that and be the best version of myself. I get it. I'm an
1: extremist. Also, I know well, Yeah, I'm not so much I used to be. I used to be very intense. I relaxed. You're not but right even anymore. with the money. Yeah, yeah, right? With the yeah. money too. But wait, wait. But also one thing, he's not a hippie. Well, but I understand what you mean. He's, an he's anti- a hippie. He's not a hippie, I'll tell That's, you why. He's he's anti-drug. Okay, he's, a he's, a, no, 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 no. he's a first generation yeah, he's okay, right, a hippie. He's a first generation Okay, But I'm sorry.
0: He was born in wait, hold on. Hang on a second. There Sean, are no hippies there, until uh, one, rule, one rule, one rule. No, no over talking today, okay? Sean. is um, not a hippie. He was born, he, he was an adult at the height of his powers, in his own war, words, when the, when the Nazis were uh, murdering Jews. He was a 20 years old in 1941. The hippie movement didn't start for another 25 years minimum okay so just from basic chronology he's not of that ilk he's he's a surfer he loves surfing but he's a conservative socially conservative a traditionalist let's put it that way he's not a, i wanted to say conservative i'm not going to say hippie this guy's a traditionalist he's trying to his rebellion is trying to figure out how to be more old school he's trying to be as old school as you can possibly be he's trying to go back before civilization which I don't think you can do. And I think that was a big part of the problem, but
2: mm-hmm.
1: to call him a hippie, I think is a little bit. Okay. Yeah, let me rephrase. He's like, he's like, like a, it's, well, yeah, you're right. <clears throat> he was earlier, I believe they called them the, uh, the beatniks and the beat generation. He's more like that ilk. And he used money as another form of, man- he used money as another form of manipulation. So if you keep uh, the fa- the family down, you don't have money for anything. So you offer them nature. That's what he really did. There's no money and you're going to get seven grain cereal every day, everything your body needs. Uh, and in exchange for that, you can do anything you want. Just make sure you read books because I guess they did read books because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how do they learn how to read? Anyway, but I guess they uh, were with yeah, some sort of it, homeschooling.
2: Them.
0: They were, they but, were, they studied Torah. I mean, they were given a somewhat of a traditional Jewish education by the but father.
1: It was, it, they it didn't just seem strange because it's like only the books, the books here, but only the
0: books I give you. It's not even that about the books book. I give you. What he did, the crime. I think, I think we're going to identify the crime. The crime is, is isolating his children from reality. Yeah. To say the outside society, world is dangerous. Like society That's the cultic manipulation. Don't go and see for yourself what's out there. It's dangerous, um, and and there's a reason why they didn't leave until they were in there. I mean, the first one that left was like 23. Yeah. They were scared to leave. I mean, like they were brainwashed. Yeah. You could say that. I'm just I'm that's sure another you thing. Argue that they were brainwashed. Everyone's brainwashed, but it's a matter of how small the cult is. You know, everybody's brainwashed, and Westerners are brainwashed into a very big cult of Western secularism. It's a very big cult, and it's a very unsatisfying cult. And that's why people find their little cults because this American cult isn't working for a lot of people anymore. So you can understand how the culture that in this country breeds certain kind of seeking type of people to, to go on this path. I can sympathize with a guy like Doc Paskowitz while also thinking what he did was on a certain level cruel. And this is my first time kind of really feeling like there was, there was something cruel about it. And then really only one thing, as far as I can tell, it, it, it what I just said: the isolation, the inability, the 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 saying "no," you can't no, don't look at the the real world, you can't see that for yourself and make your own opinion, and you know the shelter, the over sheltering, is mm-hmm. is not healthy, you know. Um, but I understand the impulse. As a kid, who grew so, up, let me. As a kid who grew up um, in Manhattan, watching you know people doing really things that no child should be seeing yeah you know, public whatever
1: but i don't let know let me just say the children at least half of them are very successful one of them had a band called the flies i remember that song that was their song oh you and other stuff too. That? i do yeah yeah because they started playing it slow in the background and i'm like yeah i remember that song and then as the movie was going, it's like, oh, there are the guys that did at least three of them or something were in the band or whatever. And but I just think it's like that type of schooling, half of them, you know, did become successful. One of them, Abraham, was working as a cook in a chain restaurant. He wasn't happy with his life. Even in the end, his dad gave Abraham a little jab because he's hugging the youngest, the youngest one. And he was telling Abraham that he's
0: and- looking fat.
1: Yeah, he's like, look at him. He's all muscle. You, Abraham, you, you all fat. And the camera just goes in on Abraham. And I, uh, I like, I got to say, I'm, I'm a 100% an
0: advocate of all of the bullying that uh, Dorian Pasquitz did to his kids. The, the, I think the, the, the fucking with them, the saying you're not good enough, all that shit, really healthy. I think the kids need to know that they ain't shit and that they got to become sh- something. I, I'm yeah.
1: just being real.
0: I just thought of no. I, didn't I was just any, My ma, my family. Oh, you're so good just the way you are. That never did me any good. So,
2: um, anyway, let, let's hear from Seth. All right, I, I really like this. Yeah, let's hear from. Seth. I, I liked it. Um, I think uh, Hawaii makes people crazy. I I I I I don't know. I just I know I look at people who go to Hawaii. There's lots of places you could go, but you go to a place, it wasn't even in a state until after World War II, and it, it's got a completely different temperature, it's like way far away from the you know, it's, it's way co- far, it's the, it's the
0: landmass, inhabited landmass, most distal to any other landmass on the planet. You cannot get to Hawaii, like the shortest distance to Hawaii is a six-hour flight from
2: any direction. And I think if I remember correctly, because I only watched one surfing documentary, uh, Hawaii surfers are considered like different from like California surfers and uh, other, uh, Australian surfers. There's something like because that's where Australians and Hawaiians
0: are. There's some sort of similarity that they're both like really crazy. Yeah, but the Hawaiians are the crazy. The, the Hawaiians.
2: Created surfing,
0: right? right? With the longboard. The, the native Hawaiians? I don't want to butcher the history. Okay, I don't want to yeah, yeah. speculating and it's on that. not
2: in this film either. So that and does. also, keep in
0: mind that they didn't really get to, I don't think they got to Hawaii until much later in life. Right. right? Like they were mostly just traveling around the continental United States. And I, it's not clear when they moved to Hawaii. If it was 10 years before the making of the film, 20 years, 40. Years. I think he started there and ended there. No, and he, then start he movie started. movie was in the
1: mainland. He started
0: in Texas, and his family moved to Southern California when he was a child.
2: He was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I liked this. Is what I noticed: this goes on with a lot of people who start movements. Um, he got a good idea. Like he got burned by the the women in his life, and he created this sort of like Kinsey test based off of his own doctor knowledge to test these women he goes through 25 he finds his wife but he kind of holds this apparatus up to everything for the rest of his life like he never finds another way to deal with things like he's always pushing what he knows And i don't feel like this is a guy who you know reads a new book and goes let's have this trickle down into the family it's kind of like his way or the highway. Um, and I think a lot of guys do this. I think Moish Feldenkrais did this. Joe Pilates did this. I don't know what Ida Roth was like, but she was a she was
0: crazy,
1: crazy,
2: crazy. Son of a bitch. Too. Yeah, she was. I they were mean, all fucking crazy. But this guy is like, he only did it to his family. And it was like surfing and what I know from medicine. And I, uh, I I, I, li- I liked it. I just um, I I want to think. I, I I was telling you about this. I I think it would be a really interesting movie to remake as a drama. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. who would you cast as him? And I think
1: either Robert Duvall or or Alan Arkin. What age? yeah doc as a younger man, man during Perfect. raising his
0: family he means like a he means like a frame for frame almost yeah i mean oh, frame oh. For frame.
2: You just do it as a yeah you would have to cast like young actors as the kids. i would say yeah robert duvall's old enough robert duvall's He's like 90 something and alan's in his eight mid-80s high mid-80s i think next couple days he has a birthday yeah alan arkin would be my vote i think you have to get I mean, Robert Duvall
0: could do it. It's just he doesn't look Jewish enough for my taste, um, I, which I think is it. It wouldn't matter if that wasn't such a central part of the, his identity. Like, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's I the other. It thing. would matter. It's like you all the people you named: Moshe Feldman, Price, Ida Roth. These are all Jewish cult leaders. Yeah, and Jews have a very particular way of starting cults, and they always do it in a very Jewish way. But it it oftentimes you'll see features of their lifestyle that are fiercely Jewish. Like you see the guy putting on to fill in for those of you who don't know, it's like a thing that men do Jewish men. They wrap leather, these leather straps around their arm every morning to pray with. That's a very traditional Jewish uh, ritual. I do it every day. Okay. You know, and, and like every traditional or religious Jew does that. Now, mm-hmm. um, but then, so you have that, and you have a guy who's clearly dedicated to his people, and you see him in the Holocaust Museum, you know, crying in tears, thinking about how he was a young man during the Holocaust, and he could have gone over there and did something about it, but he didn't do anything, right? That was a very kind of powerful moment, because it was, the guy was being 100% real about how he felt. It wasn't like posturing or anything. Uh, he felt shame, like true shame that he didn't do anything um, to save Jews in, uh, in the Holocaust. Yeah. Now, so you have all these aspects of his personality that are fiercely Jewish, strong Jewish identity. I watched, a, an, uh, I watched a speech that he gave at a Rotary Club talking about, he's like, I know about surfing and being Jewish. And that's it. And it's <laughs> clearly, like, it's, it's a very, very powerful identity for him, which I can understand because I come from a family that has that, my father has that very tribal thing. Um, my mom doesn't, but she can't like avoid her Jewishness no matter what she tries to do. It's like glaring, but the thing about it, that's so interesting when you have these Jewish cult leaders that grab on to like a, these certain things, you have these very Jewish trappings. but then on the other hand, you have these things that are radically against Jewish doctrine. There's a concept in, um, in Judaism called Sniut, which means, um, modesty. You're not supposed to fuck in front of your children. You know, a lot of skin. Nobody is supposed to hear you and your wife having sex. Actually, you're supposed to wait until the whole world is asleep. So you can have just the perfect peace. Like there's so many rules around sex in Judaism. And they're rules that are not intended to like make sex, intended to make sex better. That's the idea, at least. Mm -hmm. And one of the main things you do it in private away from people, when the kids are asleep, when you can have your full attention on each other.
1: Mm-hmm. It's it the- another thing.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's wrong, bro. 100%. I'm not going to try to defend that, that behavior, yes. but I think it it just shows you,
2: and that's only one example of a radically anti-Jewish thing <clears throat> that he does in this film. That that moment where he says, we were doing what Mongols did around the fire, that, mm-hmm. that made me think about John Milius, who got directed uh, Big Wednesday, the other surfing there movie he did. Because he did Conan, and he's always like quoting Mongols and like, Conan, what is good in life? It's, crush it, your enemies, it, see them dream before you, and hear the lamentation of the women.
0: It's all fairy tale
1: reimagining of, of the past. It's not real. Well, it's, it's more than that. Because what the beatniks did is that you they picked out pieces of history, put them together in like a linear way to have some sort of like, meaning or, like, results. It's late so, at
0: the end of the day.
1: Well, it's also manipulation, because if I want you to think a certain thing, all I have to do if I read enough history books is go from the Mongols to the Spanish to the Inquisition the, and to here. Yeah, and then I can the make you feel details. a certain
2: thing.
0: They, that's huh. the thing about people. They think that, that they're the only Phoenix. ones who... We think that our lives are the only lives that have juicy details in them. The people from the past no, they're just themes, shades of a story. No, they have the same kind of detailed lives that we have today.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I I'm still I just don't like how we how we did it. Uh, also, okay, so yeah. So here's a thing that Doc Pascalvist reminds me of. Has anybody ever seen the movie The Limey directed by yeah. Steven Soderbergh? I love it. I think it uh, I think, oh, I, think oh, okay, there, I never saw it. Uh, okay, it's it's good. Um, uh, there's a character in there played by Peter Fonda. Now, Peter Fonda plays a millionaire and he made all his money because he packaged the sixties and sold all those solid gold CDs. And that's how he made his money. And he's described as the type of guy who like lived a hippie life, but then as old, as all old white men do with, and they're the best at is package a certain thing and sell that thing. And that's how he made all this money. And listening to Paskowitz, um, that's what he really sounded like it because I thought, honestly, I thought about a third of the way through, I thought it was going to be, an, I thought it was an infomercial. It played like an infomercial and that's when they talked about their surfing school uh, and I wrote that down, but it wasn't an infomercial. It just seemed mm-hmm. like it. like they're trying to sell me something like The Family. And that's a, that serving school made a lot of money. At least it could because even that the oldest son, David, he was like, yeah. And I got a lawyer and I got this guy. We put it together a business plan and we went to the state, we got the funding back, we went to the state over here and we got the license and I got put all this stuff together for my brothers and they go crazy on me. And there's a, a feud now, but I'm thinking David, wow. He did all that lawyer stuff, knew what to do, knew the plan and he put it together and he got raised in a, in a van. And I just thought that that was a little nuts because I, I guess that's why I'm saying I think that the kids themselves are a perfect advertisement for the lifestyle
0: because look at the end of the day they were raised to be resilient and to figure out how to deal with adversity like every single day of their lives they had to deal with adversity yeah. and like they figured it out and by the end of this <coughs> film which which is a 12 13 14 year old film at this point <coughs> and I, I've been following up I, I, I think'm I follow some of the like I'm friends with Nava. Passwords on facebook or something or i follow nice. or something that's the From girl years ago yeah. and um like i follow these guys they're doing great and they're only doing better today than they were back then when that film ended so it's like a lot of the bitterness that they had i think it went away once they found themselves like once you once you're successful and you're living your life the way you want to live it there's no more room for like resentment towards your parents anymore that's ridiculous and like yeah. you can spend your time thinking i think that was a big takeaway for me Cause everybody has like, I think we live in a culture that likes to blame our parents for everything. Mom did this to me. Dad did that to me. I think like what this film does is it kind of shows like, it shows people reconciling at a certain point. Be like, yeah, okay. I had some fucked up shit having my child. But like, would I really want to go back and go to public school and live a normal life? And d-? like, no, I'm a fucking tough motherfucker. I'm a badass. I've like battled it out with, with, with like 10 foot waves since I was a child. I can figure this shit out. And they figured it out. If they, mm-hmm. whenever they wanted to figure out, David figured out how to be successful in business. Um, they all seem to be materially well off. They, 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 mm-hmm. they, the very least learned how to market their, their story and their brand. Uh, one of the guys, the, the nerd, the one who, yeah. What called the, who had a very, he was like the only one who didn't have a Jewish name, Salvatore mm-hmm. or something. That guy, Salvador. Salvador, Yeah. He was a really great, uh, graphic artist but he also became a film writer
1: yeah a Um, screenwriter yeah I wrote that down um let's see let me look him up I I marked I wanted to look look him up but are you guys uh, yeah look look him up and uh so I just thought it was just wary because when I hear Doc Paskowitz ramble on and on about life and stuff it's if you put other cult leaders in in there and just put the clips they kind of sound similar uh but I'm wondering about the film Crew Age of How Adeline. Many hours sorry, and-
0: sorry to interrupt. Uh, the Age of Adeline was a success. It was a successful film. Not he didn't, he wrote that? Yeah, he was one of the writers. J. Mills. That was a big Lula. movie. I never saw it.
1: It's a, it was a big it was Blake Lively's vehicle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But right. it kind of
1: it didn't do well. But that it, was a big that was did a big well.
0: Movie. It did it did well financially. I just think it was somewhat panned by the critics. I don't think yeah, it was... Yeah,
1: 2015. Oh. Yeah,
0: I think the critical response was mixed. But the f- 55% approval rating um, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, but it, it tripled its uh, budget, almost tripled, more than doubled its budget. That's cool. So, so good for him. I hope he continues to have success in film. Um, I'm not sure what else he's done.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't find anything. It any, doesn't tell anything, anything else. You know, but but the, the cult leader thing is interesting too because he's only a cult of his own family. Like there doesn't seem to be any interest whatsoever in like recruiting through the uh, surfing school or anything like that. He, he really seems to be just like concentrated on his own immediate family because that that's where the mm-hmm. tension
1: lies originally. Right? And I think that was probably one. Was his on a... He Sorry, was rambling on. What's rambling on a? I, I was just wondering to see how many hours of footage the camera crew had filming this guy as he rambled on and on, and I would assume he was talking for six hours straight. Maybe a hundred. And then the guys hours. are like, have you, ever, Yo. have
2: you ever looked at the footage that gets on the floor at a documentary? Have you ever like seen clips that don't get into a documentary and other docu- documentary filmmaking uh, it's is harder like, to make. It's so I hard remember. to make. It's I went to school like
3: for TV. It's like. I can't remember if it's like six or eight to one or more. It's you know, massive.
2: You don't have coverage the way you have for other things where like, oh, I can cut to this actor because I didn't get the, the other actor turning the doorknob the right way. Like you're, you're also not really working with a
0: script. And even if you mm-hmm. are working with some kind of a rough outline type of situation, it's still like one of those things where the move,
2: the, the, the
0: process of shooting a documentary, especially one like this about this crazy family, it's It's, okay. it's got to be so chaotic that the, the story that you had in mind is most definitely going to change. Oh, yeah, totally.
2: Like, basically, you're you're basically filing a lot of things under this kid says this about the father. This kid says this about the father. Okay, that's kind of a chapter. Put those things together because now they're talking about... But, I mean, it's a lot of work making it. Uh, Tony Arkin is uh, editing... Uh, maybe he's done a documentary about... Um, who ran the Actors Studio West Coast, uh, the guy who was in Crimes and Misdemeanors. Um, who won the Academy Jerry Award. Orbach. Not Jerry Orbach. Markins? Not perfect. Jerry, Michael Caine. No, in he won the Academy Award uh, for... Uh, oh, crimes and Misdemeanors. My, crimes and uh, misdemeanors. Landau? Landau.
0: Yeah, Martin so, Landau. He's oh. making oh. Crimes of Passion. He's making it,
2: yeah. Crimes <laughs> and, crimes and of Misdemeanors. <laughs> Martin, Martin Landau. Landau yeah, yeah, Martin Landau ran the Actors Studio West Coast. And uh, there's all this footage of him, and uh, Tony's like trying to make like a one-hour, twenty minutes at most documentary, and it's hours and hours of interviews and storytelling, and then cutting to him working with Hitchcock, and then a scene from the Hitchcock movie North by Northwest. And he was it. It's it's really I wouldn't want to make a documentary. I it, it just it, it's hard, man. It's
3: hard. Yeah.
0: Definitely so, it's kind of like
3: puzzle making. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: I should have mentioned the director's uh, name from the beginning. Like, what uh, else he shout out to Doug pray really gifted filmmaker. This guy, call him just a documentarian. This guy's just really a, a brilliant uh, filmmaker to make a movie. A documentary film that feels cinematic and actually feels like a story with a beginning a middle and an end it's uh very difficult and for mm-hmm. it to not feel like propaganda too because most documentaries well, yeah. are like mm-hmm. very propagandistic i i, I like i really yep. like what this guy has ac- had a has accomplished with this film let's give him a shout out doug pray what else has he done what he the uh, Big Rig, a documentary about truck drivers. Yeah, this movie was edited very well. Infamy, a documentary about graffiti culture. That's right up my alley. Red Diaper Baby. Nice. uh, Solo performance film starring Josh Kornbluth. Scratch, a documentary about turntablism and DJ culture. All right, dude, this, this guy's fire, man. Fucking props to him. Hype, the '96 documentary about the explosion and exploitation of the Seattle grunge scene of the early 1990s. His most recent films are Levitated Mask, a film about the creation of Michael Heiser's massive sculpture at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the Emmy Award-winning art and copy, a film about advertising
2: and creativity that premiered in 2009.
0: I mean, the guy's like a real artistic, clearly like really interested like in
2: art. Doesn't seem to want to be like Michael Apted where he jumps back and forth from a documentary and doing a James Bond film. Right, right. This guy's dedicated yeah.
0: to highlighting like, really creative shit i mean i think at the end of the day what is the most what's the most special thing about this family um they're unbelievably interesting and creative Mm -hmm. uh and they have incredible personalities explode the this is a, a group of people exploding with personality so um it's, it's definitely a work of art and, uh, you know, obviously I'm biased. I picked it, um, yeah. but I, I don't know. I don't want to take up too much more time with this. Let's go into closing statements. Yeah. yeah I to want to play rest? start. Yeah. Please. Oh,
3: I, the last thing I wanted to say is uh, the one of the sons, he talks about the book that his father wrote and um, he said the one part that stood out to him. And I feel like I'm going to. I'll help you. Um, what? I'll help
0: you if you stumble. <laughs> okay. He says, the one thing okay. that stood out to him was um, that, you know, that for most of human history, man has been struggling to not be hungry. Yes. But yet today man has to struggle to be hungry because mm-hmm. there's an abundance of food and everybody's yes. uh, overindulging and becoming obese. And exactly.
3: And so I think I really like the filmmaker's play on culture there and bringing back from, because he's really balancing out the talking about the problems that the family had and then the lessons that his father taught and he, and the father even says he admits that he had a whole life before he decided to do sort of like the nomad type thing where his children didn't have that. But I do like what he talks about that, you know, like, it really does show something where when they had to like, get out there and do things, right. They weren't just sitting in their homes. Like those kids are all, even although they had issues, they're all thriving and they will continue to thrive because they are fighters. And it's sort of like he was talking about how a majority of society, and I agree with that, is is like, we're just sitting around, like watching Netflix, you know, which is not bad when you do it sometimes, but it's like, you have a bunch of whiners, like, I'm sorry, I hope my kids aren't whiners. But like, I was also a part of that generation where I was like, you're special, you could do anything you want. And then you go to college and like, you know, they're like oh, no, oh, wait, you can't. And then I feel like even the generation behind me, you know, whatever my age is, the you know, could say like the millennials, it's even more pronounced, you know? It's just like, you get into this, like, I'm special. Like, I can live my dreams. And it's like, that's not life. And so I feel like where Doc did thrive is like, he was trying to say like, this is life, but he just took it a little bit too far. So, um, But I think it's definitely a worthwhile film to check out. And also, um, I would even check out the director's other works as well, because I think that he does a really good take on documentaries. And as you said, it's like not propaganda films, like he really tries to show you an interesting, balanced, and maybe a few different perspectives so that you actually really think about things instead of just telling you what you should be thinking. It's a little bit more nuanced than that.
1: Awesome, thanks, Judy yeah the the oldest son david wrote uh, an angsty song to his father and then david sang the song as he played it on his computer looking into the camera for the whole song which was like three and a half minutes it's and so it, bugged yeah. it bugged me out it bugged me out because he didn't blink and there's something there and i and the beatnik stuff really I my red flags just go up oh he's bringing in this whole like artsy fartsy thing they just kind of like turned me off because I guess maybe the hippies I've known who used to spin yarns like that anyway but the film it. was done yeah the film was done very well the editing was very very done done well a lot of supporting footage underwater stuff the mm-hmm. kids a lot of them were world champions that's you know not a lot of people can say can say that with all the trophies and stuff and they did, I guess, solidify a culture, or at least help package it. Because if all you know is surfing, what are you going to do? Well, let's still sur- surfing. But it's just so funny because they didn't sell out; they bought in, which I thought was—I just enjoy that. I, you know, I just think that's kind of kind of cool, and I can see why Abram liked this movie. It was a, de- a definitely an Abram pick, so that's so you know and rock and roll man god bless america oh but doc you know i don't want to be, he's why this america this country is great god bless america that's a, that's a nice way right. i would uh i would pair this
2: movie with um big wednesday and uh and uh, the other one uh private uh, practices i think i think they, it's a nice combination. And then you can watch Point Break afterwards. To Point Break and then documentary. It's, yeah. Right on. <laughs> so, Charlie Don't Surf. You can Charlie watch Don't, watch Don't Surf.
0: Right, so, um, so who's up next?
1: Oh, I am. Uh, uh-oh. Oh. I'm going to cho- hey, choose. Relax. I'm going to choose. It's all the fun. What, what do we got for us? Okay. 1990 <laughs> 1994's I like Arizona Dream. What? 1994's Arizona Dream starring okay. Johnny Depp, Vincent Gallo, Lily okay. Taylor, okay. Faye Dunaway and Jerry Lewis. Okay. And one like of his three, like don't dramatic roles. I do
2: not like about I love this. this sounds yeah. great.
1: I never even it's, heard it's, of it. It's people. it's a it's Where's obscure the story like the story is obscure it's one of those weird indie 90s movies and the story is obscure you just gotta watch it it yourself Mm. i remember seeing it on comedy central years ago and i caught the middle and to the end and uh i loved it at the time haven't seen it since but i looked it up it's free on youtube whoa even though that's a bad print so if it's it's free on youtube i'm sure it's on other platforms for free Passes
0: the bar for a complete box office failure at a whopping $112,000 u.s wow i didn't even know that Well, <laughs> you'll see why the and story uh, french american i don't know why uh, it says it's a french american surrealist indie comedy drama film it sounds like right up my alley i, I i'm <laughs> all excited yeah um, oh
1: he's serbian the director is serbian those people are deep. I'm not well, kidding. I'm it not got positive them. reviews from critics. It just didn't do very well because the story is. It, I can't even tell you what the story is about because. So it's, it's going to be so like Romeo bleeding. No, actually, Romeo was okay. bleeding. At, at, okay. at, no, that I, no, I mean, man, that, that movie, said, Hey, that <coughs> movie stuck with that. I mean, out of
0: all the movies that we've done so far, that movie I think has seared into my brain.
1: It's imprinted upon me. And it has the greatest love- lingerie
2: of any That's true. That we've done. Yeah. It was. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 it was. But I love Lily Taylor. I think Vincent Gallo's a she great She was in Rhinebeck, by the way. Shout out to Lily Taylor. Yeah, Lily, come on our show.
2: Yeah, come on our show. We'll shoot her from Rhinebeck. Yeah. I used to serve. Wait, is she
1: here? Lily, I saw you in that April Ferrara movie. It was in black and white. I forgot the name of it. Uh, so I've been with you since. Say anything. I've seen the haunting twice, Miss Taylor. So I please. I think she might be my favorite actress. Actually,
0: she's a great actress. I think she's, like she's the really good actress of her generation. She's.
1: I seven. saw Brooklyn's yeah. Finest. She was
2: Ethan's Hawk's wife. What else? What was? I did background work and six. I shot Andy Warhol, dude. Six feet under. Really? Yeah, six feet under.
0: I'll,
1: come on. Yeah, wait, no, okay. no. Let me say this. I read Valerie Solanas' manifesto because Lily Taylor played Valerie Solanas and I shot Andy yeah. Warhol. I'm like, who is this Valerie Solanas? I got Karen the scum Harris manifesto. Is,
0: uh, Andy Warhol. Actually, now I, I know I have a Lily Taylor film that's going to be another one for this show. Good. I'm inspired, if she's but... here, what Lily. You here? What are you talking about here? Watching. I don't know. Seth said she was like...
1: No, she I'm saying
0: I used to see her in Rhinebeck all the time because she lives in Rhinebeck, you know? Does she? Um, yeah, I think I served her a couple of times when I worked at the cafe uh,
1: a while back. I remember
3: was, Mystic Pizza. I think
1: that Mystic. That's a, yeah. Pizza? That's another one. Oh, oh, nice. My my girl my girl, girlfriend wanted to go to Mystic, Connecticut, because of Mystic <laughs> Pizza, and we went and ate at Mystic Pizza. And I think uh I didn't get this. I got you know a foghorn there when I was there. Nice. nice.